Hello, this is Linda Vetris Nichols, and do I have an amazing person to introduce you to, Garrison Cohen. Welcome, Garrison. Hey, Linda. Thanks. This is really fun already. <laughs> right? Yeah, we had a little fun before the recording going on, too, didn't we? Uh, a little choking fun over there, Indian <laughs> food. That was pleasant. <laughs> Thanks for telling everybody about that. Uh, oops, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Don't choke and tell. Oh, God. All right. So, Garrison, you have an amazing story of transformation, and I would love it if you would share that with everybody. Hmm. <laughs> Where do I begin? Yeah. Well, like many kids, I was born. And, uh, <laughs> good job. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> so, for me, from very early on, I was aware that mm. I was aware that people were not aware, and it was wow. it was really it was really hard as a child mm -hmm. For sure. with no understanding of what was happening, and yet a sense that this can't possibly be as good as it gets because if it was it wouldn't feel this way that's all i knew right all i knew is that this doesn't feel right mm. um, i was aware of my parents i was aware of people around me mm -hmm. and i could feel how unaware of me they were i could feel how unaware of each other they were Oof. it was it was very confusing yeah. because i just made it mean that there was something wrong with me mm. that I was feeling all of these feelings. And, and what I would also notice is that I was feeling their feelings that they weren't feeling because they weren't aware of their own feelings. And yet I was, so I, I would feel everything that they were feeling and then wonder like, why do I feel so terrible? Why do I feel so conflicted? Why do I feel so scared or lost or sad? And wow. so it was very confusing and <clears throat> The one guiding light I had was quite literally a voice that I would hear inside of myself that would say, this can't be as good as it gets, because if it was, it wouldn't feel like this. And that's oh. all I knew. That was, that was my compass. Yeah. And I just knew that somehow I was going to have to figure out a path to where I could say, I don't know if this is good as it gets. Mm -hmm. But I'm so happy that I don't I don't really care if it gets better. Like this is this is what I thought or felt or knew it could be. And that was from the time I was a, a child. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's the beginning of the story. When I was eight and my little brother was five, there was a night where we grew up in a suburb of Boston. Mm -hmm. and it was a dark, snowy night in the middle of February, and we were watching TV in our den downstairs or the, the living room. And that was back in the days where if you wanted to change the channel, you had to get the hell up off the couch, walk across <laughs> the room, put your oh, hand you're not that old, are big you? <laughs> knob. Apparently I am, because I remember this. And you'd put your hand on the knob and go, ka-chank, ka-chank, right. ka to one of the seven stations that you could actually watch back then. Exactly. See what was on. <clears throat> and I switched on to the, um, the, I think it was the, uh, 
the Friday night, the Friday night special, which was, um, which was the, uh, the story of, um, Moses. It was the 10 commandments mm, yeah. on TV, the original one with Charlton Heston. Right. I wasn't feeling all that interested in it. And I was switching to the other channels. Oh, what else is there? But right in the moment that my hand was on the knob, here I see Moses standing at the gates of the city with his brother, and he's about to go walking off into the desert. And his brother says to him, Moses, why, why would you leave all of this behind? There's nothing out there. It's right. emptiness. It's death. And Moses turns to him and says, I know not what force shapes my way, but my feet are set upon a path I must travel. And I'm standing there at eight Alan. years old, my hand on the knob, jaw dropped. <laughs> right? And, you know, I know this may not be like Moses's actual quote, and this is probably Hollywood writers, but the sentiment <laughs> of what they captured in that moment yes. of the story of this human and the mm -hmm. choice he was making and the trust that he was putting in something mm -hmm. so much greater than himself yep. really impacted me. Me too. And I think in a way, it spoke to a part of myself that mm -hmm. said, I also don't know what force shapes my way, right. but I do believe that my feet are set upon a path I must travel. Yeah. And, it, and it took me years to look back on that moment and start to have a sense of trust of like, oh, wow, look at all of these illuminated stepping stones throughout my life where the message was keep trusting yourself, keep nice. lifting, keep following these divine stepping stones that are being laid in front of you and mm -hmm. see what happens. And so that has really informed a lot of the choices that I've, that I've made in my life. And a lot of them, a lot of them haven't been necessarily logical choices as mm -hmm. much as, as they have been. I don't know what to tell you. This feels right on every level, so I can see what happens. I know. My thing is, you can't make up this shit. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> comes to you, something happens. It's so wild. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. You know? And so my life has really been a, a journey and a path that has been set in place. Mm -hmm. You know, with that as the the foundation of it. Right. Clearly, that's not my whole life story, but that was an integral part of of where it went from there. Very cool. Yeah. And so a few little more snippets to, you know, what did, what made you who you are? Like you ended up going into the film at one point. <clears throat> so before getting into the film part, my very first public speech was significantly worse than most people's worst fears of their first <laughs> and where was it i'll tell you the story briefly i was in yeah. high school and i think i was a sophomore and i had to give my first speech in front of the room mm -hmm. and i was nervous and i was unorganized and i had to do a you know a just a report on some subject and i hadn't eaten and it was sort of late in the spring and the room was really hot and the windows were all closed and I'm standing in front of the whole classroom with my note cards. Right. And in the very front row, the first desk in front of me was this big school bully yeah. who was having a full-on conversation 
with the kid next to him in the middle of my in the middle of my speech, which is super distracting. So I said to him, would you please not talk while I'm giving my speech? And so he turns to me and starts going, oh, like starts like brandishing his fist and telling me how he's going to beat the crap out of me right after class while I'm giving my speech. So I'm, I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm distracted. My cortisol, cortisol <laughs> levels are like going through the roof. And then I start to notice that there's like this sort of like fuzz, like t black and white TV fuzz around the corners of my eyes. And it slowly starts just creeping in and in and in until I'm just looking through like this teeny little hole. And then as the hole almost starts to close up, the last thing I see are my note cards just up in the air and another <laughs> girl in front of me just like, like oh, that thing no. fall on her. And I ended up, I ended up passing out. Right. And then I realize that the teacher has said, oh my gosh, could two boys help him get to the nurse's office? So the next thing I know, I'm being dragged down the hall by my wrists while two boys are laughing their heads off as they like bring me to the nurse's office. So that was my very first public speech. Right. <laughs> oh my or God. Like display was more like it. <laughs> yeah, public display of an attempt at giving a speech is probably- and um, <clears throat> it was, you know, I felt I was embarrassed and humiliated. Sure. And it was just a mess. But interestingly, as that summer approached, my mother had heard the end of a radio interview um, with a woman who had created a summer program. And all she knew was that it was about, it, it was about confidence for kids. And she was like, you're going to this thing. What she didn't realize was that this woman had bridged connections with all of these underground schools um, that wouldn't be known for another decade or more wow. that would be cutting edge of education, embodiment, um, nice. positive thinking, like neuro-linguistic programming, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, you know, embodiment, accelerated learning, um, and, and just so many amazing things. Um, I actually came to find that Tony Robbins had been a facilitator at this program, you know, before I had, you know, been a part of it. Wow. And I got an education from some of the best speakers and facilitators in the world. So so, cool. and, and a lot of people I knew from that program would go on to be, you know, famous facilitators and, and speakers. Right. So I actually had an entire education where I would go back for years and years until I was one of the leaders leading on stage and being flown to, around the world to right. work with different groups around all of these amazing ways of building confidence and expressing ourselves and, and grounding in ourselves and um, being um, you know, effective, productive, resourceful humans in the world in, in the most amazing ways. Cool. And so that was, that was a huge education. And, and then mm -hmm. from there, I, I went on to speak at colleges uh, around the country and the world for many years. And I found that with all of the things that I had learned, mm -hmm. I could keep an audience of, I think my biggest audience was about 2,500 people that wow. I kept on the edge of their seats nice. for an hour and 45 minutes. And it was effortless. Oh, cool. It was fun because I could, I knew if the audience started to go off in this direction, I could adjust myself in this way and bring them back on. Yeah, and cool energy. <clears throat> yeah, and, and time after time, um, I would just 
crush it with these audiences. And it was, it was really fun. During this time, I was also establishing myself as a filmmaker. Uh -huh. and really, my passion was about telling stories that would have people say, wow, I mm. never thought about it like that before. Right. It gives me a whole new view on a very old subject that I thought I knew, and I guess I didn't. And it could have to do with anything. Um, but the idea of helping people wake up to who right. they are, to what they are, to what's possible in ways that they never considered before right. was really exciting to me. And I went on to win, I think about 24 awards in filmmaking in, in national and international film festivals for, nice. for different things that I had created. My programs really continue to evolve. Um, and I noticed that as I, as I create a new one, it sort of goes into the background and a whole new one comes up to the surface. Right. Um, right now, one of the things that's really exciting me is a program that I call the Satori Star. And Satori is the Japanese word for sudden clarity, insight, illumination. Nice. The direct translation literally means a, a, a swift kick to the third eye. So it's kind of like, poof, oh my gosh, I just realized. You know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. And so what I do is I work with entrepreneurs on the Satori moments that have nice. become the, the foundation of their work in the world. Because a lot of times it's said, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to attain mastery. But what they don't say is that those 10,000 hours are basically made up by all of the Satori moments that exactly. happen during that time to yes. get you to mastery. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I interview um, I interview my clients uh, with a professional videographer and draw out their passion, their, their brilliance, their boldness, their vulnerability, their heart, their, um, just the, the, their, their wild edge cutting process or ideas or experiences. Nice. And I capture that on video and I really follow it over the arc of the hero's journey. So we really get the, the very human, beautiful, passionate journey that they've been on through the course of their life. And then after that, um, I create a list of all of these beautiful, what's called B-roll slow motion um, shots mm -hmm. for the photographer to get of my client. And we shoot that and we shoot it, you know, them moving through their life out at their favorite place in nature, interacting with their favorite people, um, just feeling them in motion. And we intercut that with the interview and add beautiful music into it so that people really get a multi-layered expression mm -hmm. of who this person is on so many levels and layers that it just creates so much trust and rapport and, and, and really brings a sense of clarity around like, wow, I like this person. I feel yeah. this. Person. I think they can help me. Right. And you have that on one of the example on your website. It's so beautiful. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, let everybody know your website. We'll put it in the comments too. Thank you. Yeah, it, um, my website is thesatorieffect.net. And when you go there, if you, you go under offerings and the Satori star is right there. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. So our true form is oneness. You came in connected to your oneness and you kept it going and now you're connecting the rest of us in our own oneness and oneness with each other i love it thank you so much garrison this has been great yeah, yeah thank you linda